Hello and welcome to the December 5th, 2018 edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. My name is Mr. Joe. This is my neighborhood. This is my life, but this is our podcast journey. Welcome to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. It is awesome to be back and have everybody here with me today. And of course, it is always wonderful to be out there with you as well. So today is a very different day than yesterday. And if you haven't noticed by now, Mr. Joe is quite chipper and upbeat and without a shadow of a doubt, uh, has is experiencing what I would refer to as a manic or a hypomanic state of mind, one that has rapidly cycled and shifted from something that we'll discuss in a moment uh, based on, well, I guess you could say based on some of the reactive depression that we recently dis- uh, discussed, but more importantly, basically the bipolar that's in us all. And I'll get into that in a minute because my lead story, so to speak, leads into the mood swings and some medication talks and topics that I think are important to review today that uh, ultimately lead into the mood disruption of the brain for bipolar disorder. Now, implant update everybody i i've taken you along for the ride the entire time so i might as well tell you what's gone on the last time we spoke we all knew that mr joe was going for an implant procedure which was consisting of by the way yesterday pulling off that crowned implant exposing the screw at my regular dentist which was not a fun experience or not to be a fun experience, and then rapidly running over to my surgeon and having him do what's called a reverse torque test, hoping that it does not break the screw, come out of my jaw or upper jaw or bone, and if it doesn't, to leave us even more lost in terms of what might be going on. So now, let me go back to last week, because as you all know, this plan of attack came upon last week. Now, when I blasted my podcast and I described exactly what I just described to you today, I didn't feel good about any of it. I didn't want any of it done. As much as I have been suffering, I was in absolutely no mood to go through what I was going through. So I went home right after my last podcast, and I said, what in the world can be going on here? Like, what is happening? You've looked at every exam, you've looked at every every diagnostic piece of material from CAT scans to to x-rays, and nobody could figure out what's going on. Something has got to be going on that you can either take care of, control, or stop. And I kept thinking about an infection, because ultimately, when I Google... It always leads me back to the word infection. No matter what I'm looking at, I know 
that deep down inside I have an infection because there have been times I've been on antibiotics and the pain would start to go away but ultimately would come back after the antibiotic was done. Now, I said, so if I have an infection, something is causing the infection. And as my surgeon and I discussed, that little, oh God, flap gum thing that's covering the screw, he was fearful that that was not getting cleaned well enough, but we confirmed that with the water pick and all those things that I had been doing and properly cleaning now, that that was not the issue. Well, let me tell you this. I went home and I realized that there were two sections in which I was unable to get to. The first one being kind of wrapped around where I had to go up and around, and it's so hard to explain, so I don't even need to have you and visualize this, but I will say this. It took me about 15 minutes to get into the spot that I needed to get into, so I said, well, of course I've never gotten over here before because it just took me 15 minutes, and I've never done this before. And then... Once I did that, I felt a little tingle in the left side of the screw or on the left side of the screw that I had never felt before. And I said, well, that's a new feeling. And it was painful, very similar to the right side that I had attacked when it was brought to my attention that I wasn't attacking it properly. So when I took the dental floss out and I found the area that was a little tender, I started attacking that. And I attacked, and I attacked, and I attacked all weekend long, up until Monday, in preparation for my appointment yesterday on Tuesday. And ultimately, I have to tell everybody that I'm feeling a heck of a lot better. The pain has subsided, completely subsided under the nose. And now it has gone down to pressure within the actual screw itself, kind of near the crown, which is a completely different spot than it was originally bothering me. And it's almost like it has traveled down to my tooth. And it just feels a little heavy. So when I went to the dentist and I explained to him that I'm feeling about 90% better based on what I've been doing, he was so excited for me. And he said, you know what? I'm not taking this thing off. He said, keep doing what you're doing because it sounds to me like you are finally hitting the spots that you need to hit to clear this infection up. You know how to get in there now. You know what to do. And it makes perfect sense the way it is traveling in terms of up underneath the nose, down to the tooth. He said, when you're inflamed like that, you're going to feel the pain. It was probably so inflamed that you mostly noticed it under your nose. And as the infection starts to go away and travels down, the inflammation is going down. But because it's still at the tip of the screw, you're now feeling that. So you've got to keep working on it. And for what it's worth, I still feel a tiny bit of pain when I floss in that one area. So that shows me that the infection is not gone yet. So I continue to attack it. My dentist was so excited. He called the surgeon while I was there on speakerphone. He was absolutely thrilled. Now... Did I go home and question my decisions? Absolutely. Did I go home and make up in my head, and while I speak to everybody right now, that the original symptoms of pain and discomfort are back? Absolutely. Absolutely, because I'm a sicko, and because that's what we do. So I'll be the first to admit 
that I'm questioning my decision. But if I really think about it and I make that little nose twinge, the pain is no longer there. And where I at least described the last time, it is now lower into the tooth and it makes perfect sense. And it's more of just a uncomfortable feeling. And I am completely convinced that I have uh, found the culprit, so to speak, and I am also convinced that my implant will remain stable and Mr. Joe will be with his front tooth. And you know what? Even if I had to live like this with this pain, which I hope not, because then that'll freak me out even more, but I would be able to, at least knowing that my... Honestly, everybody, I'd be able to live with pain no matter what as long as I knew my tooth was staying in. Now, I do have a little bit of a metallic taste in my mouth. It's almost like as the infection has traveled down and gotten lower... It's almost like it's emptying out. I don't know if anybody can, um, you know, really, I guess, understand, comprehend where I'm coming from. I guess if you've had toothaches or implants in the past, you would absolutely know. Um, But nevertheless, I have to say that I got about 25 emails from people reaching out to me to wish me luck on my procedure, emailing me. I mean, it it was really great to see. I read them all. The morning of, which was yesterday, a few of you I was able to write back. For those of you who I have not written back, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. And I will be writing back to you, because I always do. And uh, that leads me into something else that I'd like to discuss. Probably the ultimate topic of this podcast. And and I've never... I've never started a podcast or started a topic, because clearly we've started this podcast. We're already 10 minutes in. I've never started a a podcast or started a topic by saying to my audience that I need you to take this with a grain of salt. I need you to understand that this is not intended to put any thoughts or ideas into your mind. This is just what Mr. Joe is experiencing. And I most importantly do not want you to attribute any of my findings, complaints, characteristics, indications, symptoms, or anything like that to the medicine that I'm describing. Because the medicine that I'm about to describe may very well work for a lot of people out there, but Mr. Joe is starting to realize that something is not right here. Now, reactive depression, we just spoke about it. Let's face it, everybody, before we came into yesterday, Tuesday, the, the, the big day for the reverse uh, torque procedure and the surgeon and the dentist, obviously before Mr. Joe went into these places, I went in knowing that I had made myself be 90% better based on my flossing techniques and my tactics to really get to the bottom of this, which I have to wonder what took me so long to realize this, but who knows? I guess that's the problem with Googling. You know, you take everything and you start to look into it, and before you know it, you've gotten yourself diagnosed with the worst possible disease or outcome that anybody could ever imagine. But nevertheless... Going into tomorrow, um, go, God, excuse me, going into yesterday, you have to imagine that I was excited to present the relatively good news to my dentist. Let's, let's all agree on that. Well, 
With that being said, like we talked about in the past, reactive depression is depression based on circumstances in your life, a.k.a. the implant problem. And now everything has, for the most part, turned around to be positive, especially going into yesterday. So I would say on the happy scale, Mr. Joe should have been thrilled. I'll tell you this. I woke up yesterday. And first and foremost, thank goodness I took a paid day off, okay? That's number one. Number two, I nearly canceled my surgeon and dental appointment, even knowing how long I've waited for it and how serious it was. I I almost canceled because I actually physically could not get myself up to go. So ultimately, what is Mr. Joe talking about? Well, we are speaking about depression. Clear, cut, clinical depression that is not reactive, because if it's reactive, then Mr. Joe should not have been depressed by any stretch of the imagination, because I had good news. I woke up absolutely miserable, and I will go on record and say this to my audience, that Mr. Joe was officially suicidal yesterday morning. Hopeless, helpless, crying, wondering why I felt the way that I felt, unsure as to whether or not my medication is working any longer, asking God why I felt the way that I did, and couldn't understand for the life of me while I had happy things going on for the moment why a person can feel so down. Well, that's what bipolar disorder is. Now, as I said, Mr. Joe, I guess, is in this this groove where he is trying to investigate all the symptoms that he's experiencing physically, and of course, it wouldn't be complete unless I go about it mentally. And I said to myself, well, what on earth has changed, if anything at all. And I have to tell everybody that based on some of the tracking that I have done over the course of the last month, now this has not been official tracking, and I'm embarrassed to say it because Mr. Joe kind of let go of all that, but at least tracking in my mind and jotting down little things in my phone to help remind me of when this occurs. And this is now the second occurrence. And two occurrences, as far as I'm concerned, are enough for me to really say that this might have something to do with my depression. On both occasions where I got severely depressed like this, I had taken, or at least started to take, my Seroquel, on a consistent basis. And then when I got depressed, I stopped. And by the way, I stopped again. Here's what I noticed. When I took my Seroquel Monday night and it knocked the you-know-what out of me, which by God it does. I mean, Seroquel is one of those antipsychotics that really knocks you out. As a matter of fact, I met somebody last week that told me they were on 300 milligrams. I don't know how. God bless those of you who are on that, I mean, I don't think I'd wake up for a month, to be honest with you, but for the people that need it, I guess it works really well, because I have to tell you, once again, the Googling Mr. Joe has discovered that 
the majority of people that are on Seroquel, that have tried Seroquel, either for sleep or for a little kicker to the depression that they might have, it works. It ultimately works. But I am going to say to you all right now that there is no doubt in my mind that when Mr. Joe takes Seroquel, and as it kind of adds up into his body, it causes a tremendous amount of depression. Tremendous. Tremendous amount of depression. So you have to weigh it out and say to yourself, well, you know, would I rather not sleep and be up four or five times a night? Or do I want to sleep right through the night with my Seroquel? Well, you know what? Based on the feeling that I had yesterday, I could actually say that I will probably never, ever take Seroquel again. Now, I say this, again, with the warning to help everybody understand that this link with Mr. Joe does not mean it's the link with you. This is something that I failed to mention a few different times because I wanted to make sure that I was on the right track. This is a personal experience. This is not something that I want people to run around thinking, oh my God, Mr. Joe said he's depressed because of Seroquel. Maybe I need to come off mine because I'm in a bad state. No. Always talk to your doctor. For what it's worth, I found many case studies, of course, Googling Mr. Joe, in which clinical depression became worse from taking Seroquel. I believe that I fall into that category. It does not mean that you fall into that category. So we have to weigh the pros and the cons. And at this point in time, if I'm waking up suicidal, it doesn't matter how many hours of sleep I get. It doesn't matter how many times I did not wake up during the nighttime. I would rather never feel like that again. And listen, we all know that there is going to come a time when Mr. Joe is going to feel like that again based on no Seroquel or Seroquel. So why the heck add to it? You know, bipolar disorder alone is enough rather than having influenced mood swings because of the medication that you're on. We pretty much know our bodies, guys. We do. We know our bodies. We know our minds. We know what's working. And I want you all, if anything, to be comfortable in your own skin knowing how you feel mentally as long as you've given things enough time to work you should really know whether or not certain things are working for you, if you need an adjustment. Um, and, you know, if you're unsure, you have to go to your doctor. Now, you want to talk about whether or not something's working for you. Well, for Mr. Joe, since the age of 16, something that did work for me in terms of getting me a nice night's sleep was, of course, marijuana. And here I have been preaching all along. We've been on... Uh, we've been on, we've been together for over a year now, just so everybody knows the very first podcast that I did that I always complain and rant and rave about that autism podcast where I was actually high as a kite. Okay. Was in November of 2017 and we've surpassed that now. Here we are. We're in December. So we've been together a year and one month and all this time I have been preaching that as long as you take your medication, stay away from the drugs and alcohol, you're on the right path. And what kind of a hypocrite would I be if I started to smoke marijuana again? And 
I think I'd be a big hypocrite, to be honest with you, but I can't help but have that go on in my mind and say, you know, what would happen if I was to smoke marijuana again? Would it help me with my sleep? Would I be able to actually go through a night without waking up? And guys, listen, I will sit here and tell you that even on the Seroquel, there was never a night that I didn't get up. I cannot recall. I believe it's been 15 years 15 long years that Mr. Joe has actually slept through a night. You know, let's say go to bed at 9 and wake up at 6. It's, it's, it's been 15 years. It has not happened ever in 15 years. Now, when I used to get bombed out of my mind and drunk, I'd sleep in a pile of my own vomit if I had to. Okay. I've slept on bathroom floors for 12 hours. So, go figure. Now, like I said, I'd be a hypocrite. Would it work? Possibly. It might help me sleep better. But here's the issue, and here's the biggest problem. And I say problem at the same time that I say a revelation. And the revelation is this, when you have been an addict in the past and you are no longer abusing drugs, always an addict, always will be an addict, and you could say to yourself what Mr. Joe is saying, and that is, would it help with sleep? Quite possibly. However, the pros and the cons, remember, the cons are Mr. Joe is an addict. And I can tell you right now, that if I was to start smoking marijuana at night just to go to bed, that might last a week or two, maybe three if I'm lucky. And before you know it, what would happen is I'd come home from work. As soon as I walked in the door, I'd start smoking. So you figure 5.30, taking your first hit. And before you know it, you're smoking all night. Now everything else is out the window. From the gym to any kind of responsibility, yeah, sure, you laugh with your children. If you find them to be more entertaining, maybe you even have a little bit more patience because you're high and stoned. You also eat every single piece of food that's in your household. At least that's what Mr. Joe used to do. Open, close, open, close, closets, open, close, refrigerators. Like something else was going to appear in there that wasn't in there five minutes ago. I mean, eating the most disgusting concoctions of food that you could ever imagine. And again, I believe in my heart that as much as I would dedicate my motivational tactics to be just smoke at night so that you could sleep better throughout the night, I know in my heart that all you would have to give it is maybe a month the most. And Mr. Joe would be back to smoking all day, every day. And, and, and I, I, really, I really believe that. I really believe. I believe that it probably would even get to the point, as unrealistic as it might seem right now, based on my responsibilities at work, that I could never... Because let me tell you something, everybody. It's been so long that if I smoked right now and tried to walk into my office, forget about it. I'd be fired on the spot. I mean, they'd have to call the 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 uh, wackadoo ambulance crew to pick me up literally they'd put a sign on the back of me that said 
complete and utter wackadoo, and they boot me out of the office quicker than you could imagine because, man, God, would I get high. <laughs> that's, that's for sure. But as high as I would get, that would start, you know, soon your body starts to adjust, and before you know it, Mr. Joe's a full-blown pothead again. Now, I don't want to sit here and ridicule those of you who believe that pot is working for you. Because guess what? Mr. Joe thought for sure for my entire life that it was working for me. And to be honest with you, it was conveyed to me by my wife that while I was high, freshly high to be more specific, I was usually in a pretty good mood. And I was bearable to be around, possibly even humorous. Sexual, funny, personable, romantic, sleepy, hungry, all those things. But as soon as all that wore off, or as soon as I didn't have my marijuana connection and I was craving it, I was a nasty SOB, a nasty, bipolar, mood-swinging wackadoo. First-class, top-of-the-line wackadoo. So... During the time, I didn't even know it. But thinking back to my actions, I could honestly say, without a shadow of a doubt, that even though at the time I thought I was completely normal, I was completely abnormal. The problem is, guys, we just don't see it while we're going through it. It's, it's incredible because even this morning, uh, I woke up this morning... And I went to update my list of podcasts, see what else was new. You know, you do the update button, all the new episodes come through, kind of like Mr. Joe's will come through sometimes if you update whatever podcast platform you're using. And when I woke up to listen, all of a sudden it said, can't download here, can't download here, can't download there. I'm saying, what the heck is going on? So I check my internet connection, and sure as anything, it says, please sign in on my home network. So I go to sign in and I get a warning that my services have been disconnected due to failure of payment. <laughs> so of course, impulsively, 5.30 in the morning, I start shaking my wife. What is going on? Now my kid's in the bed with us, by the way. He hasn't been feeling good and we don't ever let him sleep with us except for in the mornings. He'll come in, you know, Usually he's up very quickly. It's kind of just a lay and cuddle kind of thing. But she took him into the bed about 4.30 last night, if I'm not mistaken, because um, he was just so uncomfortable. So probably not the best thing to do. But let me tell you, I woke him this morning, you know, because ultimately I'm like, what is going on? You pay the bills. Why do I have a cable bill, $400, with $197 due now that hasn't been paid? I don't know, I don't know what happened, blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, I just mailed a check to my ex-wife for child support that she's going to cash any day now. When I look at our bank account, we have $300. I mean, you know, so of course I was upset with that. And by the time we got up, she made a comment to me, not in a nasty way, but she turned around and she said, well, this was really a great way to wake up this morning. And my response to her, well, if you pay the bills, we wouldn't have to deal with this. Just like that, I said it. And 
she turns to me and she says, you have to be kidding me. The first time that I make a mistake, the one and only time that I make a mistake and this is what you do, and my response, this is not the first time, and by the way, it's not the first time, but my response could have been a little bit different, a little softer. As a matter of fact, my initial comment probably could have been a lot softer. And guess what? It doesn't take me up until now, six hours later, to figure that out. I immediately recognize that within five minutes of acting that way towards her, which is something, everybody, that Mr. Joe would never have been able to do in the past. I would go days, and the only thing that would make me apologize and feel bad was when somebody decided to actually stand by their own feelings and thoughts and say, screw you, Mr. Joe, you're not getting away with it this time and not give in to whatever tantrum I was having or whatever blame I was putting on uh, on somebody or accusation that I was making. And when they stood strong and didn't give in, maybe it'd take a few days, but ultimately Joe would end up crying. And on his hands and knees begging for my wife or girlfriend to accept my apology. But it would take days for me to realize that. And usually there'd have to be some other circumstances surrounding it, such as me being pushed to the side and my tantruming and my behavior not attended to, not getting the attention that I was looking for, that I wanted, that I needed, you know, nitpicking on every single little thing and waiting for that person to bow down to Mr. Joe and say, nope, you're right. I'm wrong. You're right. It won't happen again. You best believe it won't happen again. Many times that's how my life went because people were so scared of me. You know, whether it was me acting like a complete maniac in the middle of a street because somebody almost hit us when in actuality we were the ones walking on the wrong side of the street and acting like a complete maniac where my wife is scared to death or her and I driving and somebody beeping behind me and it pissing me off and me putting my car into park, getting out of the car and going up to their window. (laughs) I mean, you know how many times I should have been shot and how many times I would come back and my wife would say to me, You don't know what they had. You don't know if they had a gun or what kind of a person that is. And of course, Mr. Big Bad Tough Mr. Joe would, I don't care. Let him shoot me. Yeah, let him shoot me. And at the time, everybody, I thought that I was invincible, that I was always right. Everybody else was always wrong. And I just never saw it. And, and, And again... For a large portion of my life, since the age of 16 up until November of 2017, with many, many times of of sobriety mixed in there for marijuana, for the most part, I spent a lifetime smoking marijuana and eating marijuana and thinking all along that I wasn't bipolar and now I could think back to it and I recognize that I absolutely without a doubt was. And until you get medicated, until you really realize what it's like to live a life of normalcy 
and recognize your own on your own that you're actually going through mood swings and then even go as far as making the connection if in fact it's not just a clinical mood swing based on your bipolar disorder that you can relate it to maybe a drug that you're taking circumstances that you might be going through and ultimately recognizing that you're in control of your own destiny that usually doesn't happen until we're properly medicated and in my experience marijuana was not the proper medication now in conjunction with my other medications i doubt it because you want to know something for all i for all i know maybe it will make my other medications less effective maybe it does something to lamictal maybe it does something to wellbutrin who knows Am I really willing to take that chance? Not now. I think I need to come up with a better way to sleep. I don't know how to go about it. I really don't. I don't want to use anything. I do know this, too. I know Klonopin would knock me out every night. I must have five billion of them laying around in my house, but I don't really take them. I really don't take them. You want to know when I need them? Usually, I need them when I have a day like yesterday where I'm depressed because of, let's say, my Seroquel, and it's had this medical effect on me, and then I spend the day anxious and depressed, and then I usually have to take a Klonopin. Now, I didn't have to yesterday. I came out of it, and ultimately, like I explained, I'm in man- hypomanic mode today, and I honestly think it's almost like a kickback or a or, or the ultimate reaction to being so depressed. It's almost like now whatever was bothering me is completely out of my system that made me depressed. So my mind feels so strong and so powerful and so speedy and so happy that I have cycled into hypomania. Or it can simply be the fact that like the rest of you out there, we will always and forever have bipolar disorder. In closing, I'd like to say if you are currently living with a mental illness and you're doing well, I ask that you continue to work hard. If you love or you care about somebody with a mental illness, I ask that you continue to support that person in the very best way that you know how. And if you are struggling right now with a mental illness or an addiction, I ask you to keep fighting, to keep battling, and most importantly, soldier on. Thank you so much for listening to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. I'll see you again real soon. Have a great day, everybody.